0: today, <coughs> Wednesday afternoon, 2 to 3 o'clock, we're here with the Halakha hour. And although we usually do Halakhot from the Benish High, today we will have, today for the next couple of weeks, we'll have a special class on the Halakhot of the three weeks. <coughs> and these Halakhot will, will, we hope to clarify the subject and the, and the laws that are relevant and that are practical. And probably we'll fi, will be finished, within three classes, we'll finish all the Halakhot. A little bit of an introduction before we get to the Halakho. Let's give a little bit of an introduction and the background to these days, which are known as the days of the Ben Hamid Salim. Yesterday we had a fast, Shabbat Asabi Tammuz. And the Gemara says in the that five things, five tragedies happened to the Jewish people on Shabbat Asabi Tammuz. Number one is, in the times already in the Torah, when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to get the Luchot, the Jewish people we know made the Egil. And when Moshe Rabbeinu came down, the day that he came down, was the day of Shabbat Tammuz, and he saw how the Jewish people were committing this grave sin of the Egel, and he broke the Luchot. So that's the first thing that Hakhamim tell us: the Luchot were broken during Shabbat Tammuz or on the day of Shabbat Tammuz. The other thing that happened in the times of the second Beit Hamikdash: the walls of Jerusalem, after many years, where the goyim surrounded the walls outside of Jerusalem, nobody was allowed to come in or come out. Finally, the Goyim were able, the non-Jews were able to break through the walls and to penetrate the walls and to enter the city, which began the massacres in these weeks of the Ben Hamid Zareem. Third thing, Hachamim told us that in the times of the first Beit HaMikdash, the Korbanot, we had a Korban every day in the Beit HaMikdash, first and second, we always had Korbanot. Like the Torah says, korbanat Tamid. However, even though it was every single day, at one point it stopped because we didn't have the animals. The Jews were suffering tremendously at that time. And that first day, when the did not was not offered, was also on Shabbat HaTamuz. The other two things, the says, the apostamus, who was a non-Jew, Rasha, he took the Sefer Torah, which was in the Beit HaMikdash, and in public, in front of everybody's eyes, he burnt it in front of everybody's eyes. That also felt, happened on Shabbat HaTamuz. And the final thing is, there was in the Hechal, where we'd have the Menorah. We had the Kodesh and the Kodesh Kodashim over there. They erected a statue, a Salem, an idol of Abrazaara, in the place where we worship Hashem. They placed Abrazaara, and that date, which they placed Abrazaara, was on Shabbat Seventh So for these five tragedies that happened to the Jewish people, we fasted yesterday. But now we begin. Uh, 21 days or 22 days was Farim bring down 21 days of days of Ben HaMetsarim. Days where other tragedies happened to the Jewish people or really like we mentioned at times of Beit mikdash from the time that the Goyim broke through the walls, they massacred the people inside till finally the Makkabe Patish, the final blow was when they burnt the on on the Shabbat. And because of this, we have special halakot that we hope to discuss and in, in order to that we should keep you know with, with the hachamim or gozer uh, things that are for our protection and things also to commemorate the tragedies that happened to the jewish people we should take note and very important that this farim bring down that although these are days of sadness and tragedies but these days are also mesugal; they have a special time where we can have a great relationship and build a great relationship with Hashem. So I didn't bring down the pasuk in Echa. It says, All oh, the simple meaning, Yirmiya, who wrote Megillat Echa was lamenting and he was saying, those who wanted to chase the Jewish people were able to grasp them, were able to reach them between the boundaries. That's a simple meaning. And, we take it to mean the menahemetarim. These three weeks, in these three weeks, the G- the goyim were able to massacre the Jewish people. So they explain it on a deeper level, and they explain that the word feha could be split up into two words, rodef, and then the word the letters Yudke, which is Yah, the name of Hashem, and you could read the pasuk like this: Kol rodef Yah, ben hametarim. Whoever is chasing a Kadosh Baruch whoever wants to chase Hashem, not to chase to Hashem, but to chase Him, whoever wants to get a relationship, to build a relationship with the Kadosh Baruch the time that you're able to have such a great relationship, to build a great relationship, is Ben Hamid Salim, In these three weeks of Ben Hamid Salim. And how are we to understand this? And the days of tragedy, and these should be days when we can build a great relationship with Hashem. So it's like in mashallah imagine a person wants to meet with the king or let's say today nowadays the person wants to get an appointment with the president of the united states not so easy it's very difficult you know how many people you have to go through in order to just get a meeting and then you have to go through screening and things and then finally maybe 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 you'll get an appointment at a certain time and and if you come in you come in for a very short time however let's say the king is out of his castle the president is not home he happens to be vacationing somewhere, and he happens to be around your house or around the place that you're going to be. And you have right there, you have direct access to the king without any guards, without anybody around him. You could just go up to him and speak to him. The nimshal is exactly the same thing. When we had the Beit HaMikdash and everything was pleasant, the area, the place where a person wanted to reach uh, greatness and to build relationship with Hashem the most you could go to Yerushalayim to the Beit HaMikdash and to see the service in the Beit HaMikdash and to get an unbelievable level now that we're in Galut Hashem is also in Galut and the Marab brings many many times that Hashem is also not in the Beit HaMikdash although there's a presence of the Shekhinah by the Kotel but Hashem is also in Galut Hashem is also could be a whole wandering around and therefore the king is not in his castle and any person could have access. Even the lowest of people could have access to him. And it's an interesting thing that if we look in the Jewish history, we find that when the Jews were in tremendous amount of suffering the times when they were suffering, that's when we saw great people come out. I think Rob pointed out already that the Tamud Babli came out of Babel, which is the place of Galut. And if you look at the Rishonim and Aharonim in the times when the Jewish people experienced horrible tragedies, that's when we saw great people Rabbis, great leaders come out and that's we got to benefit from them. Hadam Sofer also points out something that we don't, may not realize. Everybody knows about Elul. Elul, you know, in Yeshiva de Israel. Elul, that's the days of Rahamim, days of mercy. We prepare ourselves for the month of Tishrei, for the days of Rosh Hashanah until Hoshanah Rabbah. And these are days when we, we get forgiven. These are days when everybody feels some sort of spiritual uplifting. Why? Because the first time that Elul marked the calendar was when Moshe Rabbeinu went up to Shammaiim for the third time to ask Hashem for forgiveness of the Jewish people after the sin of the again. And that started on Rosh Chodesh Elul. And 40 days later on Yud Tishrei, which we know as Yom Kippur, Hashem tells him, "Salahti I forgive you. And ever since then, there has been set in the calendar, these are days of Rahamim. And we're all aware of that. Atam Sofer points out that Hakamim tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu went up another time to ask for forgiveness of the Jewish people. And when was that? That was Yud Het Tamuz. That's exactly today. The day after he broke the Luchot, it says clearly in the Torah, Moshe tells the Jewish people, I'm going to go up and let me ask Hashem. Let me see if He forgives you. And these days, the first time they marked the calendar was right after Ha'at Moshe Rabbeinu went up from Yud Ha'at Tamuz and he asked Hashem for forgiveness of the Jewish people so they became, says the Hadam these days became ingrained in, in the calendar. These are days for a person to beseech Hashem, to get close to Hashem, to pray and a person will feel an uplifting. Besides that, we all know that from now until Rosh Hashanah, is exactly 10 weeks. 10 weeks, I think, to the day. Rosh Hashanah will be on Wednesday night this year. There's exactly 10 weeks from now to Rosh Hashanah and a person could get an early start, a head start and start already from now working on Teshuvah and building a close relationship with HaKadosh Baruch One more point regarding the special days. The Maharsha already, I believe the in Bechorot, he already compares and not only the Maharshan there's many many Sefarim that compare the 21 days in Ben HaMetsarim to the 21 days that we have from Rosh Hashanah until Hoshana Rabbah. Hoshana Rabbah is on Khaf Alif Tishrei, 21st of Tishrei so already you see that there's, there's an idea there's, there's a relationship over here there's a connection between the, the 21 days of Ben HaMetsarim and these 21 days that we're gonna we're, we're gonna have in Tishrei we all appreciate we all know about the 21 days in Tishrei we have to appreciate it also these days that we're in well, again we're commemorating tragedies but to take advantage of the time and to build that special relationship and those who are sensitive will realize that there's a special closeness that one could feel with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. this is why it's so difficult in these days to really be uh, the best that you could be because the knows the importance of these days. And that's why in these days he puts up his best weapons and he tries to get the people to sin. And we all know the temptations of the summer. So that's why a person has to know that when you see the Yatara working his hardest, you should know there's a tremendous amount of birakad, there's tremendous amount of blessing in these days and segulot. And we just have to take care of it. The Aliza points out that although we Commemorate these days nowadays for tragedy. is that the shame. In the future, this these days from the Shabbat Tammuz until the will be days of holiday. Shabbat Tammuz will be a holiday. The days in between of Ben will be like a whole and it's gonna be one long holiday. And finally, the last day of the holiday will be Tisha exactly like the 21 days that we have from Rosh Hashanah to Yom uh, these are days of holidays, so too, we'll have the same in these days. Shabbat, Shabbat, until Shabbat. And he says, there's a remez, there's a hint to it in the Pasuk, in Pasachal When Moshe Rabbeinu went up for the first time to receive the Torah, the Jewish people started planning for the Egil. They came to Aharon and Aharon was delaying the whole making of the Egil and finally, when he, he couldn't delay anymore, the Egil was ready, the calf was ready, the golden calf was ready. What does he tell everybody? Okay, you know what? We're going to celebrate. We're going to have the celebration. But, Hag Hashem Mahar, Hasuk says. The holiday of Hashem will be tomorrow. What Aharonah Kohen meant was, you know, let's wait. Instead of making the celebrations right now for the Aigil, let's wait for tomorrow. He was hoping that Moshe bin would come down by then and they would not have to go through all this worship and and this great sin. Nariza says that there's a hint in the words of Aharonah Kohen that day that Harun was referring to was Yudzayim bet We know that's when Moshe Rabbeinu actually did come down and broke the Luchot. And that's exactly what's going to happen. Mahar in the Torah could also mean in the future. Like we read, If your son should ask you, Mahar doesn't mean over there tomorrow. It means in the future. In the future, this day Yudzayim Tammuz, which we fasted on, which we cried on, will eventually be a day of a holiday and the completion of that holiday will be in Tashabi Because of that, now that we're still waiting for those days of the holiday, we have to know exactly the halakot, the laws that are needed to know in these days what to avoid, what to do, what we cannot do, so at least we'll be in the right setting to be able to get what we can get from these days. The halakot the three weeks are broken up into five parts. First part are the halakhot of the Ben Hamed Salim, the three weeks from now until the Av. The second part of the halachot are the halakhot of the nine days beginning from Rosh Hodesh Av, as the Gemara points out, Mishniknas Av, Mima'atim Bismha. So those will be another category. Number three are the halakhot of the week of the Av. This year Tisha B'Av I believe is going to be on a Tuesday. No, it is going to be on a Tuesday. And there are halachot for that week, beginning that Mosai Shabbat until Tisha B'Av. It's called Shel Shehalbo. And number four are the Halakhot for erev Tisha B'Av. The day before Tisha B'Av, which is Monday right before Tisha B'Av. The special Halakhot. And finally the last category of is are the halachot of of themselves. And we hope that within these three classes we're able to cover all the areas. You should keep in mind that whatever halakot are said, whatever category is mentioned, each next category just adds on to the next one. Meaning, today we'll discuss the laws of the three weeks of the Ben And the next subject, which is the laws of the nine days, just adds on to what we already explained in the laws of three weeks. That means whatever is forbidden during the three weeks will. Also continue throughout all the three weeks and the nine days will just add more isurim. So every category just adds more and more and more. Kind of like Avilut, morning, A person who is in mourning, he has days which are very heavy, where he has many things that are forbidden to him. But in morning goes backwards, he goes into heavy mourning first and then he goes into lighter and lighter. First on the three days or oh, first the onin before the burial, he cannot pretty much cannot do anything. And then the first three days of mourning, then he has a lot of restrictions. The, from day number four till the end of the seven day mourning, the person has light, uh, has a little bit less restrictions. And then there are restrictions in the 30 days, and then smaller restrictions within the first year if it's apparent. Over here, it's backwards. We have three weeks, and then it gets heavier in the nine days. It gets heavier in the week of the Shabi'ab. And then uh, the it gets a little bit more heavier. And then finally, the Shabi'ab itself. That's of the heaviest laws, when when it's very very stringent and very restrictive. The books that we used in order to prepare for these Halakhot we usually prepare for the benishai, but the benishai has maybe two, maybe three halachot regarding the three weeks. So we had to use other books, obviously Shohan Aruch, Hazon Vaday, and Arba'at all Tzion and there's a very nice book written by Rav Uri Cohen, called Tzion. And he has a special book just on everything that has to do with the destruction of Beit HaMilash and the Halakhot and Minhagim. Let's begin the Halakhot. First, maybe we'll take a very short break for a short song, and then we'll come back, we'll begin the Halakhot of the three weeks of ben time Meanwhile, if anybody has any questions or by text or by phone, you can call in or text in. The phone number to call One more time, 718 five three four seven hey,
1: hey, hey.
0: we're back to the Halakhot let's begin the Halakhot of the three weeks of Benam Mitzarim first thing let's read from the Shohan Aruch I want to read you what the Moran says in Zeman Tafkuf Nun Aleph Halakha Yudhet Sariq L'Zahir Mi Yudzayin Bitammuz at Be'ab Shelo L'Lekh Yehidi Mi Sha'ot at a person has to be careful in these three weeks beginning from Zayin Tammuz Until the B'Av, that person should not travel alone from the four hours in the daytime until nine hours. That translates from about 9.40, 10 o'clock until about 4.30, 5 o'clock. And the teachers in those days, when they used to hit the students, they should not hit the students in those days. Why not? Because in those days, there's this demon that has power and therefore one has to be careful. So these are the words of Shuhana Ruh that are taken the Shonim and the Gemara and basically a person has to avoid doing things that are either dangerous or possibly dangerous. Traveling alone when nobody's around should be avoided in these hours. Person has to travel to go either later on in that time or before that time. Also hitting children whether it's parents or, or, or adults or teachers is not recommended at all in our days. But in those days, they would not even hit them in these times. Even though they were educating them and they were training them, they would not hit them in those days. Likewise, in our days, we would apply it to other scenarios. We always hear in the three weeks, there's always stories La Haleino, of tragedies that happen. And a person has to know there's something in the air. Literally, there's something around. And a person has to avoid any dangerous activity. Swimming. حلقى, from Halakha to Rashkinazim and to the Svaladim, there's no problem with swimming these days. However, some Ahronim wrote for the same reason that we just mentioned that a person should not go to the ocean. Why? Not because swimming is atsoor. Swimming is mutar. There's absolutely no problem with swimming, just to avoid dangerous activities. If a person is able to go to a pool where there's a lifeguard and there's somebody on top and it's not so dangerous, not so deep, and he's a Keeps a careful eye on the children that are, that are swimming or on the adults, then there's no problem with swimming at all whatsoever in halakha. But again, the point is that a person should avoid dangerous or possibly dangerous activities. Let's go on to the second thing that are issues in these days weddings. In Sulhan Aruch, we find there's two opinions regarding weddings. when. Weddings are forbidden. al alooch himself writes, We don't get we don't uh, make weddings in these days, we don't get we don't have Saudat irusin. However, was talking about specifically from Rosh Hodesh Be'Av. Like it says in the uh Av So too. So that means that we don't make weddings, we don't make uh, even engagement parties. The Ramah points out, he says, "Af'al gab elam rosh He says, even though in Halakha if you look in the Gemara, the problem is only from. Um, sorry, I skipped the thing. The Ramah the Ramah points out, that the minhag by the Ashkenazim is that they don't make weddings from Yudzain Tammuz until the shabeabi. So it comes out that there's a mahluk between the Ramah and the Shuhana Ruh. According to the which seems like the Sfaradim as well, that the weddings should not be made from Rosh Hodesh Av until Tashabi Av. According to the Ramah, it began from yesterday. No weddings allowed all parties from yesterday until Tashabi Av. The Benesh Hai, which is the Sfaradim, however, brings that the Minhag is a little bit different. And he says like this, Mindina any Elam even though that because we follow ruh, there should be no problem in weddings from Tutushabia. And because am Still, the Minhag is that people the custom is that people do not make weddings from the seventeenth from Abal But this is very important. For a person to get engaged, that means to agree to sit down with the family to talk about uh, the, the, the couple getting engaged or dating that's for sure muta it's not a problem and he brings that in the Hag in baghdad was that they would make ilusine like an engagement i don't know if the engagement of the benish high time was like the engagement nowadays but he says they would make engagements but of course without dancing without music and um, avoiding all the things that we have today so exactly how their engagement parties was a little bit different But he says, however, in Baghdad, they would not make Irusin and which means they would not date, they would not um, propose, they would not make engagements, even in those, whatever they had back then. And he says at the end, he says, this is the proper Minhag, that even though Subhanallah permits it, one should be Nohag, that he should not make weddings in these days so now the question is if you're a Sfaradi, what do you do do you follow high High or not I know that the Syrian community here in Brooklyn and abroad they don't make weddings from the 17th of Tammuz until the e the other Sfarim other books bring down like the Ben Sion brings down and, and Khan, but yeah then Israel the Sfaradim are lenient although there's other Sfarim that bring that no in Israel the Sfaradim are also stringent so if a person finds it necessary that he needs to make a wedding or something before Rosh Chodesh Av, then he should consult with his rabbi and see what the proper thing to do. However, according to all opinions, everybody agrees that once Rosh Chodesh Av comes in, it's forbidden to make any weddings from then until B'av. Similarly, music and dancing, we just mentioned beforehand that weddings are not permitted. The Ben also says, "Asur min In these three weeks, it's forbidden to make circles and dancing until the Shabu'am. Benichai also adds that back then they had, I guess, Jewish musicians would play by the goyim. And this was their panasa. We talk about, of course, when once upon a time the music was much cleaner. They spoke about weather they spoke about nature they didn't speak about the uh, things nowadays But anyway those who used to play music for the goyim you should warn them that in these days they should try to avoid playing music even though it's a bur however but if you're worried that the goyim there will be an masadi about the goyim especially in where the Binish high lived in the arab countries if the Jew was the only musician in town and they needed their music, this could have created a problem. And certainly, if the Jew the only way he makes his parnasa is by teaching music, is by playing music to other people, otherwise he wouldn't be able to pay his bills, then it would be mutar. However, points out, this is only to be done after the seventeenth of Tammuz. From Rosh they should avoid it completely. So too, on yesterday on the fast, also a person should not play music, even though it's his panasa. And those who are doing it, in any case, after Rosh they will not see any blessing with that money. So basically, it comes out that music should be forbidden. I want to point out that. The subject of music, listening to music throughout the whole year, is an issue by itself. Um, one who is really could handle not listening to music throughout the whole year should consult with his rabbi, finding out the halakhot, especially one who is faradi. It's not a simple thing. But those who do listen to music throughout the whole year have what to rely on. There is what to be lenient on. However, in these days, in these three weeks, all the Aharonim bring down that one should not listen even to recorded music. Only music without music without instruments is permitted. Shirabape, singing just without any musical instruments, is mutar to listen to, and it's mutar that a person himself should sing as well. There are exceptions for those who need to listen to music, and that is number one. Those who are depressed, those people who are suffering from depression and they need music. In that case, music is not being listened to because it's entertaining. It's being listened to because the guy needs it it's a medicine that's his medicine some people take Tylenol and some take Motrin and some people need music for for their own healing like we mentioned listening throughout music listening to music throughout the whole year is is an issue by itself and there were obviously who were able to keep that they avoid music completely he used to listen to music at times when, I'm not talking about the three weeks I'm talking about throughout the year sometimes he would listen to music, and he explained to his students that although one should be stringent and not listen to music, he needed to listen to music, because everybody came to him with their problems and their uh, suffering. and he, you know, he had a big heart, and he, was, and he would listen to everybody, and their problems became his problems, and, he, and it became heavy on his heart, and it bring him close to depression, the so therefore he needed to listen to music just out of therapy, just to calm him down. And of course, I mean, goes without mention that we're talking about kosher music. Not kosher music throughout the whole year, even if a person is depressed, they should not listen to it because that perhaps makes you more depressed. So, there's kosher music, and even within kosher music in these three weeks, one should avoid it unless he's using it for medicine. <clears throat> the other exception is what the Banish I mentioned is if a person a, is a teacher, let's say he's a piano teacher, he teaches people how to play musical instruments and that's how he pays his bills. He needs that panasah. He can't take a three-week break. Then he could uh, play music or teach the music and according to the high up to Rosh Chodesh Av but not afterwards. Although there are other post-scheme I think Acham Badyan not Acham Badyan sorry Acham Badyan himself he says that even past Rosh Chodesh Av a person could if he needs to he could uh, teach music. The other Deen, the other Halakha that we find in three weeks that the that wrote down and the earliest sources already from Sefer Hasidim. Yeah, I'll quote for you the words of the Shohan and that is the subject of Shehyanu. Tov Lizahir min l'omar b'en or It's good for one to be careful that he should avoid saying the brachat, the blessing of Shehayanu in these three weeks on a new fruit or on clothing. However, we know that when a person fulfilling the bin or even B'rit there's a blessing that we say, Then, in that case, you do say it, and don't ruin the Mizrahi, meaning to say, it, even though P'diyona bin could be delayed technically if there's a need for it. The mezvah begins once the child is 30 days and older. A person shouldn't say, you know what? Let me delay the mezvah so I can say shahyanu later on. Or do pidiyon without shahyanu. A person should take advantage of the time and could say shahyanu. Now, what's the reason why we avoid saying shahyanu? Because the words of shahyanu are shahyanu v'kiymanu v'kiyayanu l'azman Hashem gave us life. And he kept us around and brought us to these days. We're thanking Hashem that he brought us to these days. You don't want to say that in the three weeks. Because these days we're commemorating days of tragedy. So therefore, the Sefer Hasidim said it's good to avoid the Barakah of Shahyanu in these days. If it could be avoided. However, if there's something that's timely sensitive. Which means that if you don't do it now, it's going to go away. Like we mentioned, a Britwila or by where you're supposed to say shahyanu, then you sh- you could say shahyanu even though it's within the three weeks. Another exception is certain fruits that come out in certain seasons. I'm not sure exactly which fruits that may be, but let's say there's a fruit that is seasonal and it only comes out during these three weeks. And if you don't say shahyanu now, the fruit will not be around till afterwards. So, in that case, a person doesn't have to avoid eating that fruit, so he shouldn't say Shahyanu. He could say Shahyanu in these three weeks if he cannot. In that case, though, by the fruit, one should try to push it for Shabbat. On Shabbat, to say Shahyanu on Shabbat, at least on the day on Shabbat, we don't have uh, morning in public, so it's better to say Shahyanu on Shabbat if one can. If one cannot, he can say it then. Another case, if a woman who's pregnant craves a certain fruit, and if she would have to eat that fruit, she would have to say shahiyanu. And even though that fruit could be found after the three weeks, but she craves it now within the three weeks. Also, for her, we don't say that she, she should avoid it and uh, bring any, any problems to the child. She's allowed to eat from the fruit and make shahiyanu if she needs to take it. The same idea would apply to people who are sick and they need to eat a certain fruit which they haven't eaten yet and they have to make shahiyanu. Even though technically you could eat the fruit afterwards, it's found around afterwards, but if you need to have it now, for whatever reason it is, and if they have it, they can have say Shahyanu, but they could say also Shahyanu. Kambit points out also, that this only applies to Shahyanu. However, Bilkhat gomel the blessing of a gomel, a person travels, wherever the halakha may be over there, a person is saying Bilkhat gomel or a woman who gave birth, then it does it should not, it does not is not, uh, doesn't get avoided in these days. person should say Hagomel in the right time, even within the three weeks. It doesn't have the same reason as Shahiyanu, and we try to avoid it. The next thing in these weeks that we try to avoid, on Oxy, an issue really, the Ashkenazim, the Rama, and the Ashkenazim as well, do not take haircuts and do not shave in these three weeks. However, this Minhag is only according to the Ashkenazim. And for the Svaradin, there's no problem. On Yudaymid Tammuz, it's a little late now, but on Yudaymid Tammuz, there was no, you know, the one should not take a haircut, preferably on Yudaymid Tammuz. But during these three weeks up till Shabuah or Shehalbo, for the Tzfaradim, there's no problem to shave or to take haircuts. If there are some yeshiva students that are learning in yeshivot where the Ashkenazim are the majority over there, and most of the students are not shaving, and they're they're not taking haircuts, then it's preferable for those students to keep the same custom as the yeshiva and not to take haircuts or shave. However, technically they could. It's not considered low to go. They do it's not considered like they're separating themselves. It's better that they should do like the Minhag of the Yeshiva, and not take haircuts, but Akam Vadiya says that if a person needs to take a haircut or shave for whatever reason then he could take haircuts and shave because the sur is only to the Ashkenazi custom and not to the Sephardi custom finally the last thing we speak about today is something maybe not known so much and that is the Sfarim bring down in the post also bring down that should be said in the three weeks in the afternoons uh, before we get to what that means let me just give you a little background of what Tikkun Rahel and Tikkun Le'ah is. There's something called Tikkun Hatzot. Well, Shohan Aruch himself mentions it in the beginning of Shohan Aruch, that the Midrash says, every night by Hatsot, by midnight, Hashem cries for the destruction of Beit HaMikdash. And therefore, a person should join Hashem in the crying and he should also mourn and commemorate the destruction of Beit HaMikdash. And how does one do it? The Arizal set up special... Uh, perakim chapters of Tehillim that one should say exactly by Hatsot. Now, not everybody does Tikkun Hatsot. People either are unfamiliar with it or they think it's hibi-jibi. It's actually In fact, the Potskine bring down when it comes to Selahot. We all know Selahot are very important. If a person has only a short amount of time and he can either say some Selahot or can say Tikkun Hatsot, he should first say Tikkun Hatsot and not s-li-hot. It's even more important than s-li-hot. Whatever the case may be, where a person cannot do it at night, in these three weeks, the Arizal brings he writes the following. The Arizal writes Minhag Tob the Hu Meod It's a very good and proper custom. Very, very good actually. It's Me'od. For anybody who is more spiritual, to sit in mourning after midday in these days, and to actually cry for the destruction of Beit HaMikdash, and then he concludes with the following words, when a person does such a thing, that he mourns for the destruction of Beit HaMikdash, it gives a great benefit to the person's soul. Now what does that mean, to cry, what does it mean to mourn, and the Rizal didn't tell us exactly what to do. But what comes after the Reza's words that just like in the evening from midnight until dawn, until Alot al-Shahar, a person should cry for the Beit HaMikdash by saying, Tikkun HaTzot. The Rizal adds also that in midday, in these three weeks only, special time like we said, a person should try to mourn and if he could cry for the destruction of Beit HaMikdash. How does one do it practically? How does one do it, especially if one uh, doesn't feel for the Beit Hamikdash, doesn't feel the, the need to cry at the Beit was So it's so long ago, he cannot relate to it so much. So the Hadass says that we look in this. Doing you have something called Tikkun Rahil. and those chapters are set up, which uh, are sad chapters. They speak about the destruction. Some the destruction of Beit Hamikdash. There's a chapter that comes from Megillat So a person should read Tikkun. Rahel after Hatsot, okay? How does one do it? This is the katalah if one can do this. If he can do this, he should try to do it. And that is to sit down on the floor and te- read Tikunahel. If a person reads with average speed, the whole thing takes no longer than four minutes. Maybe even four minutes. It will take even a guy who reads decently, it should take him three minutes. If a guy reads very fast, it takes exactly two minutes a person can not sit on the floor. He's at work in front of other people. He can't go to a room by himself. Then he should still read the Quran even without sitting on the floor. At least he gets something out of it. But the purpose of all this is, like the Ariza says, it's to inspire a person to think about the destruction, to think about the hurban, to think about the suffering of the Shekhinah. And that brings a lot to Ali. So not me just words that are read. If there's nothing, he he can't relate in any other way besides just reading, so fine, at least let him do the reading. But the main thing, like we said, a person should, like the Riza said, a person should take the time to think about what we lost and what the Shekhinah is going through. There are exceptions when a person should not say Tikkun Hasot in these three weeks. And they are on on the times when we wouldn't say Tahanun. For example, Arab Shabbat. After Hasot, if a person is praying Minha after Hasot, obviously, on Friday afternoon, he would not say Tahanun. Anna. Or vidui, so too, Tikkun hal is not said on Friday afternoons. The other times are Ayrib Rosh Hodesh Av, which is uh, the day right before Rosh Hodesh Av, Rosh Hodesh Av itself, where we also don't say Tahanun, and Tishabi Av itself. We can talk about it when we get to it, Av. Av is actually has in it hidden great, it's considered like a holiday and has a lot of uh, love hidden inside of it. So we don't say either and also we don't say The times that a person could do it here and for this year, year Tafshin nine, Gimel 2013, are anytime after 1 p.m. until Sheki'ah sunset, which is around 8.20 p.m. In these three weeks, between 1 to 8.20 p.m., a person should try to find maybe three to five minutes, maybe if you could sit on the floor, if you can't sit on the floor but to say at least and like Dariza says with this it brings about brings about a tremendous benefit to a person's soul we'll take another short break right now and then we'll see if there's any questions and then we will finish with the class call only have a few minutes left we're not going to be able to speak about anything without explaining properly so we'll just give the phone numbers one more time and i know that the show the shiur will be on again on tuesday evening so if you're listening from 10 to 11 on Dot com, or at uh, tuesday evenings at 10 to 11 if you have any questions of something that we didn't explain properly or we didn't discuss please text it in to 347-927-8398 is that the same next week, Wednesday afternoon, 2 to 3 o'clock? We'll continue with the halakhot. We'll speak about the halakhot of the nine days. Some of the subjects we'll be speaking about is about eating meat or drinking wine. Also preparing for weddings. There's a lot of weddings that happen right after the Shabbat. What the halakhot are preparing for weddings in these days or building, renovating houses. We'll also speak about the halakhot of Shabu'ah Shahalbot Shabi'ab, which contain most of the halakhot. Until then, have a wonderful week, Shabbat 12, and we shall be to see you Hamad.